Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. Turn your Bibles with me to the book of Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. We've been speaking on foundation. Everyone say foundation. Foundation. We've all seen at one time or another. Hey guys, remember we have church service going on in here. You keep your voices down. Thank you, Cisco. Guys, keep it down as you leave. Thank you. As we take a look at foundation, I want you to see, see something that's important here. Foundations, you've ever seen anyone who, they look like they have a great marriage, and we find out a couple months later that their marriage is falling apart. You find someone that financially, they look like they're, everything's great. They're driving a great car, living in a great house, and then you find out they're filing bankruptcy You see someone that looks like everything on the outside is looking good, only to find out that those things begin to fall apart later on. It's because the foundation was bad. And whenever you have a bad foundation, things will start showing up throughout the structure. You'll see cracks. You'll see doors aren't aren't closing right, windows aren't are operating the way they're supposed to. Because when there's a problem in the foundation, it will show in other parts of the structure. And whenever there's something wrong in our foundation, it'll show in other parts of our lives. You'll see cracks beginning to show in your marriage, in your finances, in your mind, in your relationships. You'll begin to see these things, and we can cover them up with paint, but until you get the foundation fixed, you're always going to have these issues showing up, and you just keep on covering it with cosmetic issues. There's a problem in the foundation. And I want you to build something that lasts. I don't want you to build something that people just see for a moment. I want you to see that it's vital that we build things that last and it has to be on a good foundation. In fact, in Matthew, I'm going to read in Matthew chapter 7, then we'll come back to Matthew 6. It says this in Matthew 7, 20, 24. It says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like the wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rains came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. How many of you know that problems will beat against your life? You don't just have problems. You have problems that will beat against you. They'll they'll attack you. They'll they'll come against you hard. When problems rise, they come in like a flood at times. And it says this, and yet that house did not fall because it had its foundation. Someone say foundation. On the rock. Pray with me now. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. So let's get this straight. The the word foundation literally means a, a, a principle by which you build something on, or the lowest part or the underlying uh, thing of a house, of a building, or a structure. I talked last week about uh, how the Transamerica building in San Francisco, everyone takes pictures and oohs and ahs about how tall this building is and the great architectural structure that it is, but no one really takes time when they walk by this building, they look at it and say, oh, wow, look at this. They take pictures of how high it goes up, not realizing the foundation that it sits on. 
And if you have a bad foundation, especially in an area where there's earthquakes, if you, if you don't have a good foundation, that structure, no matter how much money you put into it, is going to fail. And they said that there's over 300 miles of steel, rebar steel, that goes under that building. It goes down nine feet deep of just in certain areas of concrete blocks and goes another 52 feet deep to lay the whole structure's foundation. And so I want you to understand that foundations are not always uh, visible, but they are vital. Say it again, Pastor Dan. See, you might not see someone's foundation, but it's vital. It may not be visible, visible, but it is vital. And so in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus gives us a, a structure on not only how to pray, but how to live. In Matthew chapter 6, we start with the Lord's Prayer. It says this. This is then how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Last Sunday, we talked about the importance of father. Like any good father, God has a will for us. Now, how many fathers are in the house or how many parents are in the house? You, you got kids. Now, how many of you that have kids, you had a plan for your child? Right? Now, you might not have determined what they're going to become, but you had a plan for their life. You, you, you had aspirations for them. You still do. You have hopes for them, dreams for them. You want them to be. Now, I, I've, I've never determined I want my daughter to do this or my, my daughters to do that. But I wanted them to become better than me. I wanted them. It wasn't a, a, a focusing on a job or focusing on money. I just want my daughters to grow up to be better than their father. I want them to be better. I want them to have more opportunities. I want them to find themselves being more committed. I want them to excel in areas that I failed. I want my kids to grow up and to find them uh, the areas that I was afraid to pursue, the things that held me back. I don't want those chains on them. And so you'll see at many times that when the pressure I put on my my kids is to be better than me. And at times they, they could feel like they're being attacked because they see the cracks in my life. And so when I put pressure in an area of their lives to get better, it's usually in an area where I've exposed cracks in my life. And so instead of them seeing it as me wanting them to get better, they're like, how are you going to tell me this? Look at that big old crack you got. In your, found, in your foundation, look what's going on in your life. And so instead of them seeing me wanting them to get better, they look at it as an attack sometimes. But every good father, someone say good father, bless you. Every good father has a will for his child. And God is no different. God is a good father and God has a will for you. And that will, I want you to see this, is that word will in the, in the Greek is this. It means to desire to determine, to purpose, or have an inclination, okay? In classic Greek, it literally was a wish or a purpose, that, that there's a father that has a wish. I watch you with your kids, and every Sunday, I see you out there with your kids when it's sunny. You have a will for your kids. Don't go on the grass. It's wet. That's your will for them. Now, what their kids see is dad doesn't want me to play. Dad doesn't want me to have fun. 
Dad doesn't want me to run around and have and enjoy myself out here in all this green grass. God, my dad is my, my dad is terrible. My dad is trying to hold me back. My dad doesn't want me to have fun. But as a good father, you have a will. Number one, I want to keep my son dry because it's wet out there. I don't want mud all over the place. And I don't want him falling down because his skills haven't reached the point that he can handle running up and down without falling. And so what we see as limitations, a good father sees as a plan, a purpose, a desire. God has a plan, a will for your life. Everyone say will. So will can be referred to as divine purpose. Everyone say divine purpose. God has a purpose, a, 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 divine, a, de, a design, a desire for your life. And Jesus, when he came, Jesus came to do the will of his father. Everything Jesus did, he did to do the will of his father. John chapter 4, verse 34. Take a look at this. This is what he says. Then Jesus explained. After he gets done, uh, the the disciples go to get food. They're going to bring food back to Jesus. But he ends up having a conversation with the woman at the well. And when they come back, they they come back with food. And they tell Jesus here, let's, let's give you something to eat. Jesus says this. My nourishment, he says, comes from doing the... The what? The will of, my, of God who sent me from finishing his work. And so what Jesus was telling them is this. is He, he hadn't eaten. They went to get him food. And so there's, Jesus is sitting there talking with the woman at the well. He gives her hope. He gives her d- desire. He, he, he lets her know what the will of her, her father is. And after having this conversation and she finds forgiveness, Jesus has found strength. By doing the will of his father, he found nourishment. Follow me on this. They come back and bring him food, and Jesus says, I'm cool. But you were just hungry a little while ago. You sent us to get you something to eat. Now, what, what did you eat? He says, my nourishment comes by doing the will of my father. Now, now let me explain this to you, Okay. Jesus found strength in doing what his father purposed, willed, or or prepared in his life. And I, I want you to understand this, is that many times in our life we are trying, if you find yourself struggling in any area of life where you are struggling to get by, it's usually because you're doing something that is beyond your vision. When you have a vision for something, vision drives you. Vision and passion will push you. When you have to force yourself to get out of bed, that means you are doing something that you are not passionate about. If you have a vision, you know, I, I don't know how many people over the years have come to me and said, Pastor, I need to step out of ministry. I need to step out of this. I need to take a break from church. I need to take a break from this or that. It's because they're burnt out. But when you have a vision, you don't get burnt out. When you, have a, when you have a vision, when God, it's a God vision, not you're trying to impress people. When I'm trying to impress people or keep up with the spiritual Joneses, then I'm doing things that are outside my realm, outside my call, and that will tire me out. But when I'm doing what God called me to do, when I'm walking in, when we were driving from Manteca over here for the first eight years of this ministry, driving over the hill from San Jose, getting up early in the morning, we were up at 5.30, we were driving over the hill to be here at 7 a.m. to set up the church with my family, with three little kids, and we were going through that process. We did it every 
day. Why? Because we'd get there and we'd find times that we were preaching at Overfelt High School with our team would come in. On Saturday, we would go into the neighborhoods. We would mow lawns, edge the, 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 the street, uh, the, the lawns as well, sweep up the streets, put numbers out there, minister to the community. Why? It was tiring. It was overwhelming at times. There were times we wanted to quit. We wanted to give up. That drive coming over and back and forth was a lot. But the thing was this. There was a vision we had to see lives change that said this. I'm willing to commit to do this because that drives me. That's the thing that pushes me. When you are, when you have a vision, the vision will push you. You don't have to push it. That's why marriages fall apart. That's why businesses shut down. Because we end up doing things that we're not committed to or passionate about. And we just do it because other people are doing it. Jesus says, I do my nourishment, my strength. Someone say strength. Comes from doing the will of my father. When I do the things God called me to do, I find strength. If you're feeling lack, if you're feeling no drive, if you don't feel strength, you're feeling weary, you got to check if you're doing God's will or your own. Because when I walk in agreement with God, I find strength. Now, now I'm going to take you somewhere in this, okay? What makes us citizens of heaven isn't our location, but our allegiance. I'm committed to God. I'm committed to God's purposes. And Jesus modeled how this looked like through a relationship with his father through obedience. Jesus did everything his father asked him to do, and Jesus was obedient. John chapter 14, verse 15 says this. Jesus says, if you love me, someone say love me. Obey my commandments. Now, everyone, if I were to ask people right now, do you love God? Everyone would say, yes, I love God. But do we obey the commandments of God? We do what we want to do rather than what God wants us to do. And so what we end up doing, now you could, you could repeat what God said. You might know what the Bible says. You might know what God's will is, but we don't do it. God never wanted you just to memorize what he said. He wants you to do it. Let me put it this way. When I, when I take off somewhere, I tell my daughters, hey, clean your room. When I get home, and they said, Dad, I memorized what you told me. <laughs> Clean your room before I get home. I memorized it. I can repeat it. I can repeat it to you in Greek. I can tell you what those words mean and so forth. I can break it down. The purpose wasn't for her to memorize it. Purpose is to do it. And Jesus says, if you love me, if you love God, you're going to Obey. See, obedience reflects love. And in this day and age, we don't equate the two. We equate love with freedom. Do my own thing. If you love me, you'll just let me do whatever I want to do. But how many parents love your kids enough to set boundaries for them? Hey, don't touch that. You don't love me. Yeah, I do love you. I don't want you to burn your fingers. Right? And so there, there's, a, there's an understanding here that, look what Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 says. It says this, And being found in the appearance of, as man, he humbled himself, talking about Jesus, and became obedient even to the point of death, 
even death on a cross. Jesus obeyed his father even to a point of death. And what seems you're, you're looking like, okay, you're telling me right now God's trying to kill me. Yeah, he is. God's trying to kill every one of you right now because the old you sucks. The bitter you, the unforgiving you, the, 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 the uh, grudge-holding you, the, the sinful you, the addicted you, the broke you, the lost you. God is trying to kill that person to raise up a brand new individual that's in his image. <laughs> Obedience is foundational. Even the Apostle Paul says, you know what, it's, you know, I crucify my flesh daily, but nevertheless, it's not I that live, but it's Christ that lives in me. And I want you to understand that we have to die to ourselves because if I did everything I wanted to do, there's no way I could pastor. I got quiet in here. See, you can do what you want, but let me as a pastor do whatever I want. See how quickly the standards change. Because you don't want your preacher. It's legal. You guys stress me out sometimes. You know? Just... What's up, girl? How you doing? You know what would look good on you? Me. See, you're okay for it being you, but you don't want your preacher to operate in that manner. Why? We're all children of God. We're all created in his image. And we all have a responsibility if we love God to... To, to obey his command. And the problem is this. Why is it important to read the word? It's so that you know what the word says. You know what God's commands are. God doesn't have the ten suggestions. You know, if you could find your, find your way clear to maybe, you know, not have any other gods before me. Really appreciate that, you know. Try, try not to murder, but if they really tick you off, they're not suggestions. They're what? <laughs> we call them in our family the Ten Demandments. So we have demands in our house as well because obedience is foundational. Let, listen to what Jerry Bridges said, and I love this in his book, Pursuit of Holiness. Stay with me now, okay? God wants us to walk in obedience, not victory. Obedience is orientated towards God, where victory is orientated towards self. So God didn't call you to victory. He called you to obedience. And many times we're so focused in on wanting to win that we refuse to obey, not realizing that through obedience it opens up the doors to victory. Do things the right way and you'll end up winning. 
Do things the way God intends you to do things. Do things the way God tells us to do things. See, he tells us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Obedience is birthed from a loving relationship with God. When I said yes to my, ma- my, my wife, I said no to everyone else. When I said yes to my wife, it wasn't like, man, I have to shoot. Man, come on, if you really love me, you'd give me a little freedom, at least on weekends. But that's not what love is. Come on, think about it. See, you want the freedom, but let someone sit tell you, you know what, I'll love you forever, girl. Or honey, I'll I'll, I'll give you everything except Tuesdays. And yet that's the way we live our lives. We give God Sundays, but every other day belongs to someone else. Your kingdom come invites God's will to be activated in your life. Grab a hold of this as we close this morning. When we pray God's will, God's will is powerful. It activates and opens up, and God is inviting us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because a good father wants his children to obey, not to to control them, but to protect them. If I, if I keep you from certain things, I can ensure that you're going to get to new levels. You see, God's will for your life, listen very closely, every one of you. Instead of praying, God, Lord, whatever your will is, let it be done in my life. Now, that, that opens up hope. But when you pray specifically and say, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When you declare that it's God's will that you be healed. That it's God's will that you be provided for. That it's God's will for protection over your life. God's will for forgiveness. God's will for salvation. God's will for peace. God's will for guidance. It's God's will for your good relationship. It's God's will for you to be great. It's God's will for there to be unity in your household. These are areas that God says, These are, this is my will for you. And when we begin to pray according to the will of God, now we open up God's favor for us to step into these things today. Stop praying according to chance and start praying the will of God over your family, over your life, over your community. I don't know if you're catching this. So what ends up happening is this, where many of us right now are living a life that is contrary to the will of God. And we always say this, well, if it's God's will, it'll happen. No, it won't. That, that's fate. And Christians don't live by fate. We live by faith. Fate is whatever happens will happen. We don't live by faith. We live by faith. And we have to operate by faith when we recognize that there's certain things that we experience that aren't God's will. Say it again, Pastor. There are things that you are experiencing today that aren't God's will. It's not God's will you're broke. It's not God's will that you're, that you're sick. It's not God's will that your marriage is struggling. It's not God's will that you're in depression. It's not God's will that you're battling uh, in, in relationships. It's not God's will that you're always fearful. It's not God's will that you're operating in unforgiveness. It is God's will that you're healed, set free, delivered, transformed, saved, free. That's God's will for your life. And what we call defeat is actually disobedience. 
You keep on saying, man, I'm going through, I, I got defeated. I'm, I'm going through this defeat. Man, the enemy's really, really attacking me. Enemy's not attacking you. You're just going through the, the, the consequences of your bad choices. It's not Satan. It's you. You're the greatest hindrance to your success, not Satan. Satan's chilling there and he's getting credit for things he hasn't even done. Satan, does, in fact, for some of you, Satan doesn't even have to come against you. You're doing a great job on your own. You're on his team because of the choices you're making. And what you call defeat isn't defeat, it's disobedience. If you would do the principle, the foundation, if you would obey the foundation in the word of God, you wouldn't have those defeats going on in your life. Stop calling it defeat. What you're going through, when you break a principle, there's a principle. When you break it, it's going to lead to consequences. It all has its foundation in relationships. All starts with relationship, church. And true obedience is impossible. Someone say impossible. Without love. Jesus says that the worship team would help me in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. After laying down, you know, we're, we're running after food. We're running after protection. We're running after clothing. We're running after sustenance for financial gain. And all these things, Jesus summarizes all those things. He says, hey... Your heavenly father knows what you need. I know what you're, what you're running after. I know what you need. Then he gives us the condition. But seek first. Someone say first. first. We're talking priority here. God can't just be a part of your life. He has to be a priority in your life. I don't know if you caught that. Because most of us, if you were to ask most people, hey, do you believe in God? Yeah, yeah. Is God important to you? Yeah, yeah. But he's not a priority. There's a difference between having God a part of your life and making God a priority in your life. They're two different things. And just having God a part of my life doesn't transform me. Making God a priority in my life will transform not just me, but my family as well. There's a difference you got a choice. Do I want to be religious or do I want a relationship with God? See, God's not creating an organization. He's creating a family. That's why he says, call me father. Call me father because I want to be be your father. I I want to take care of you. I want to provide for you. I want to take care of the needs that you have here. See, this talks all about priority. God's kingdom cannot be a hobby. God isn't a hobby that you do on weekends. God is, 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 is the God that created, that broke, breathed breath into mankind, that you're literally saying this, God, I'm making you number one. Number one, even over my family, my relationships, my business, everything else, God, that if I make you number one, you promise according to your word, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these things, somebody say things, All these things that you're running after, all these things that you're pursuing, all these things that you're trying to attain, all these things that you want, if I put God first, all these things will be added to you. The problem is some of us consider our sum to be the things that we have. God says, no, if you find out who you are, I'll add those things to you. 
I'll add financial blessing. I'll add identity. I'll add provision. I'll add financial security. I'll add to you clothing and all the things that you're running after. I'll provide all your needs. If you just prioritize me, God has to be our priority. See, I want you to know something today. Your daddy knows. Your daddy knows. For those of you that were here last Sunday, you heard about your, your daddy, your heavenly father. He loves you. Regardless of how terrible or great your earthly father may have been, your heavenly father knows what you need. He loves you. But how do we do this? How do we make this happen as I close? Jesus says, just make my kingdom first. Make me first. Because my kingdom's better than yours. If you make my kingdom first, my kingdom's better than yours. And I'll provide for everything that you need. Everything. What, what, what do you need? What do you want? I'm a good father. I'll take care of you. Look at John 14. And I will pray the Father. I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. Someone say helper. That he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Now, as I read this, I want you to understand. You're thinking, how do I prioritize the kingdom? How do I make God first? How do I, how do I change my, 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 my living to where I, I allow God's kingdom to be? How does that look in my life today? Well, this is how it happens. Jesus says, I'm going to pray, and the, the Father is going to send you a helper. The spirit of truth who the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him. Someone say, know him. For he dwells, what? With. Isaiah, come up here real quick, man. Let me show you. This is, don't get, don't get scared, man, okay? This is with. He dwells with you right now. Walk with me. This is with. Spirit, come on, come on. Stay up. Yeah, 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 there you go. Now we're good. This is with. Okay, wherever I go, spirit of God is what is with me. Now, this is what happened in the Old Testament. The spirit of God was with us. Old Testament in Genesis chapter one, God breathed into man. The Holy Spirit was in man. But when man fell, the Holy Spirit then became with on the side. Look at the promise. He says, for he will dwell what with you. And then what's the promise go on to say? And he will be. You're not going to be able to do that part, so sit down. But he will dwell what? With you. And then he will be. There's a two-part thing there. First part is I'll be with you. 
But I don't want to just be with you. I want to dwell in you because mankind was created to carry the presence of God. You were formed. You were fashioned to carry the breath of God. When he formed Adam out of the dust of the ground, he blew his breath into Adam. And Adam carried the Holy Spirit with him. You were designed. You were created to carry the breath of God. Not bitterness. Not loneliness. Not not poverty. You were created to carry the breath of God. And God's telling us here, listen, I don't just want to be with you any longer. I want to be in you. For some of you, it's freaking you out. Because church is somewhere you go. But the Bible talks about that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God wants to dwell in you. How do you prioritize the kingdom? You invite the presence of God to live in you. Oh, come on, church. It, we don't need more counseling. We need more presence. We need more presence. See, this is the promise. He says the Holy Spirit. I got to close, but Holy Spirit, take a look at this. I don't want to jump over and miss this part right here. The Holy Spirit, the, the Greek word is paraclete, which means helper, comforter, advocate, or intercessor. It comes from the root word. Isaiah, come back up here again, man. comes from the root word that it comes from a Roman soldier. Turn your back to me, okay? This is, this is, this is what a paraclete was in the Roman times. It was a soldier that had your back. And so you had your shield and sword. He had his shield and sword. And whenever you were outnumbered, your paraclete, you would just fight. And as you fought, you made sure that no one came behind you. That as long as we were fighting, I had my paraclete behind me that made sure that no one was able to attack my back. I want you to know that the Holy Spirit has your back. The Holy Spirit is going to cover your back and make sure that no one has the ability to attack, to bring down. Your Holy Spirit is a person. He's the third part of the Godhead today. He is God in Acts 1.8. He is the breath that comes in that gives us power to be witnesses. Behold, he says this, go and wait in Jerusalem and you will receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. I want you to know the breath of God wants to show up once again in your life. Just God, breathe in me. Breathe on me. That has to be our prayer. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Listen, stop trying to do this on your own. Tired this morning? Because you're trying to carry this on your own. And life is too hard to do it without the breath of God. Bow your heads with me this morning. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea.